Welcome to People's Church. Before we get to this week's message with Pastor Tom Murray, we want you to know that you matter to your Heavenly Father and you matter to us. People's Church is a multi-generational faith community in Salem, committed to knowing Christ and making Him known. Sunday morning worship services at our Salem campus are at 8.30, 10, and 11.30. Watch messages anytime and plan your visit at peopleschurch.com. We pray this practical biblical teaching is encouraging, challenging, and possibly even life-changing. As we think about our country today, do you know what's crazy? Someone right now, some family in America right now is raising a future president of the United States. If we think about our own state, some family right now in Oregon is raising a future U.S. Senator from Oregon. Some family right now, perhaps even in this church, is raising a future member of Congress. Families right now are raising future governors, future state representatives, future mayors, future CEOs, future business leaders, future leaders in education, future innovators, future inventors, future teachers, future parents. So as we think about how we're raising now the next generation, it's crazy to think that the the babies whose diapers we are changing today will someday be in charge of the world. So as we think about these future adults and how they will eventually be leaders in households, cities, companies, churches, nations, as we think about the future adults and the values that they will lead with, what is the greatest influencer of the faith and values that future adults will lead from? What is the greatest influencer of the faith and values that future adults will lead from? You know, media is influential, but it's not the greatest influencer. Teachers are influential, but not the greatest influencer. Friends are influential, but not the greatest influencer. Youth pastors and kids pastors, we love them, but they're not the greatest influencer. The statistics tell us family is the greatest faith and values influencer of future adults. Family. Pew Research, teens who attend worship services with their parents are most likely to share their parents' faith beliefs when they become adults. Also, if parents rarely or never attend worship services, rarely or never pray, and consider faith unimportant, then unsurprisingly, teenage children will most likely rarely or never attend worship services, rarely or never pray, and also consider faith unimportant. Let me give you some encouraging, an encouraging statistic. Among evangelical Christian families nationwide, and we are an evangelical Christian church, Two-thirds of the teenagers who attend church with their families say they are there as teenagers because they want to be there, not just because they have to be there because their parents said so. That's good. 
that tells us that more and more increasingly our teenagers are owning their faith. When we saw 19 people be water baptized last week and I watched online, most of them teenagers, for a teenager to be water baptized, that is a evidence that that teenager is owning their faith. They're owning their faith and that's good. This is encouraging. Church starts at home. Church starts at home. See, church, yes, we think about the church building. We have an amazing campus that God has blessed us with to serve our city. But church, by definition, is a gathering of believers, a gathering of believers. And there is the greatest potential when the home, the home is where the family is a core gathering of believers. The church begins at home. I invite you to open up your word with me and open up your brand new People's Church Journal with your name in the front cover and open up with me to Colossians chapter 3. We are continuing our Colossians summer series today. We've been working our way through this letter that Paul wrote to the church in Colossae in the decades after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, Pastor Bill, he is teaching a class right next door and he brought a message last week that I listened to on podcast. And I want to just right now, if you would join me and let's thank Pastor Bill for being such a great word, cheering so loud that he can hear us in the room next door. <laughs> this morning we see a great turn in the letter that Paul wrote to the church in Colossae. Because inspired by the Holy Spirit, Paul turns to family. Paul turns to family. When it comes to our faith journey, pursuing Christ, desiring as Christians to be more like Christ, so often we think of this as a relationship that's lived out between us as individuals and our Father Jesus Christ. That's where the center of the faith journey happens. But many of us, even most of us, we also live in families, in household families and extended families. What Paul writes sends the message that it's not an option to abandon or neglect your family for spiritual pursuits. As crazy it may, as it may sound, there may be times when you or someone has thought, I'm too busy getting closer to God to care for my family. What Paul writes next would wipe out that excuse. You see, what we're about to see is that God has a plan for families. Paul is going to give us four statements about family structure. These are simple statements, but they are challenging to live out. Why? Because family is deep. Family is complex. Do you know that for most of us in our life, the greatest love and the greatest tension that we experience in our life both come from our families. I didn't mean to make that uncomfortable if you're having trouble with the person sitting next to you. Families are imperfect because families are made up of imperfect people. We're going to see how each of these four statements speak to those in the family and how family relates to other people in the family. And if we strive for what Paul is going to write to us today, we will find that our families are stronger and have more stability. And at the end of the message today, I want to share with you something that we're going to do as a church family, a real tangible act that we're going to do as a church family to 
reinforce the message of just how important the family is with church starting at home. As we get into this, I know that just the word family, for some, for you perhaps, it brings up deep emotion and possibly even pain. Paul writes about family and he talks about husbands and wives and children, what we might call the traditional family. But we know that today we have a lot of family units that wouldn't reflect that definition. We have separated parents, single parents, blended families, divorces, remarriages, stepbrothers, stepsisters, half-brothers, half-sisters. What we're thankful for, God's word is so good that no matter where we are, he has something to say to us today. And that we can't undo what's been done in the past, but we can look to the future. And maybe it's your story that you would not wish upon anyone else what you have gone through in your family, but you would say that at the other end of it, you have become stronger and you are grateful for how you have seen God work in the life of your family. If you're single, dating, engaged, married, married with kids, without kids, kids in the house, kids out of the house, divorced or widowed, God's word is so good that he has something to say. Our Heavenly Father has something to say to each and every one of us today. So let's read Colossians 3, 18 and 19. We're going to read these verses together. This is a verse, one to the wife, one to the husband, and we read them together because in the marriage relationship, these two things, it, they're supposed to be happening simultaneously. It's not, well, if you do this, then I'll start doing this. No, if you start doing that, then I'll start doing this. No, the, the idea is that we both, in the marriage relationship, husband and wife, would be both living out our role at the same time. So here we go. Colossians 3, 18 and 19. Wives, submit to your, yourselves to your husbands, as is fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, and do not be harsh with them. All right, now right away, there just got to be some tension in the room because there is this huge loaded word that gets like the hair on the back of our neck standing on straight up. What's the word? Submit. Submit is this loaded word. I read that verse and some of you just like went from thinking about something else, like sitting on the edge of your seat, ready to parse every word that I'm about to say. Let's just take a deep breath. That's good. Some of you actually, I heard you take the breath. Because when we think about the family, we can go into I think, I think, I think. I'm asking us to just for a moment to take a deep breath and let's think, let's look at what God thinks and let's try to understand why he would put this phrase into our Bible through the Apostle Paul. And as we start to talk about family, I just want you to know, Jennifer and I, we're trying to figure this out. We do not have all the answers. We are on the journey of marriage and family just like the rest of you. In fact, if you're anything like us, sometimes it feels like the more that we're at this, the less that we know. This message this week, as I've been preparing it, maybe today it is just for me. But I believe in my household, if I start and if I continue in increasing measure to live out the instructions as a husband and father, that our family will be stronger and more stable. And I believe, I believe if we open our hearts to what God has to say, I believe that you will see that as well. So back to this word, uh, submit. What is Tom going to say about this? <laughs> 2022 in our American culture, it may seem like Paul just comes right out and opens this section with an incredibly controversial statement about wives submitting to husbands. 
2,000 years ago, of the four statements that we're going to look at today, 2,000 years ago, this actually would be the least controversial of all four statements. Why? Because this is how it was in Roman law. Husbands were, by law, the head of the household. The government gave full power and authority over to the husband. Wives and children under Roman law were essentially considered property of the husband. We will see in just a moment God elevating, elevating the role of women and children, affirming value of women and children that is far above the cultural norms of today. But first, this instruction to the wife, choose, choose, make the choice to allow your husband to lead the home. Now, there are some wives in here, you are praying for your husband to step up and lead in a greater way. It's important for us to point out that this instruction is not to the husband. This does not say, this does not say, husbands, force your wives to submit. This verse has been weaponized by some men today. You don't have to look very far in an online search to find many accounts from women who have been held emotionally held hostage by a husband who has manipulated and twisted biblical family leadership into an unbiblical household dictatorship. This does not say, I hope this isn't surprising, this does not say that the husband is God. Again, I hope that's not surprising. A wife's spiritual responsibility is not to become more like her husband. A wife's spiritual responsibility is the same as it is for every follower of Christ. It's to become more like Jesus. The responsibility of every follower is to become more like Jesus. <clears throat> this does not say that wives do what their husbands say no matter what, even if it's abusive, even if it's cheating, even if it's forcing you to sin. This does not say that women are supposed to be weak. It does not say that women are supposed to be silent. This does not say that women are supposed to submit to all men. This does not say that women are less smart or less capable of being leaders. I am married to a strong, confident woman, and by God's grace and with his help, we are raising three daughters who I pray will also be strong and confident and will be used as leaders in whatever God has called them to do. If anyone ever comes at you and talks about the Bible degrading women, this is so important for you to know. Jesus elevated women every step of the way. The New Testament church elevated and highlights the value of women every step of the way. Two examples, Acts 16, Acts 16. Lydia, Lydia was a well-known businesswoman who sold expensive cloth to the wealthy of the day. She was like Louis Vuitton of the Roman Empire, Lydia. Then Romans 16, you have Phoebe, who was a preacher who worked closely with the Apostle Paul, a woman sent by Paul to Rome. Colossians 3, 18 and 19. Wives, submit to your, yourselves to your husbands, as is fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. What we do see here is that in their own way, husbands and wives are supposed to prefer their spouse over themselves. 
Wives, choose to allow your husband to lead the family. Wives, even encourage your husband in leadership of the family. Now, here comes the instruction for us, dads and husbands. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Love your wives. Now, we know that love is more than chocolate and flowers on Valentine's Day. But it is good for us to remember that. It's also good for us to remember our anniversary. My brother says, if you want to remember your anniversary for the rest of your life, forget it one time. <laughs> Love is more than gifts on Valentine's Day and our anniversary. What is the def definition of love? To love is to put the needs of someone else above yourself. To love is to put the needs of someone else above yourself. And so what is the greatest act of love of all time? Jesus' death on the cross. If love is to put the needs of others above yourself, the greatest act of love of all time is Jesus Christ, sinless, perfect, and holy, giving his life a criminal's death on the cross, crucifixion, for us, for the sins of humanity. In that moment, Jesus Christ put the needs of the world above himself. So love is to put the needs of others above our own. So guys, guys, I'm not, this is not a moment for wives for you to elbow your husbands. But I just want to, I want to talk to the guys for a second. This is a huge call to action for us men. This is a huge call to responsibility. Lead your wife out of love. Leave, lead, lead. Lead, with a D, lead your family out of love. So as you're thinking about whatever that decision is that you're walking through right now, whether it's big or small, think about the possible outcomes and think about this. When we make a decision, who benefits the most? When we make a decision, is the mission of Christ going to be advanced? Is my family going to be stronger and, or, and more stable? Or am I the one who's going to benefit above all others? Now, this doesn't mean that we never take a work trip. We never go fishing, play golf, or whatever it is that we do. In fact, some wives may say, my husband is better the other six days of the week if he plays golf one day a week. And there may be husbands who would say, my wife is better the other six days of the week if she plays golf one day a week, or whatever it is that she does. What I'm saying is that there are moments when there, we talk about a family cost. If we say yes to this, it's going to cost family financially, it's going to cost family in terms of time in the family, but we will say, yes, it's worth it to do this. Let me just give you, this is different for, for every family, but these are possible scenarios where we might say yes. Maybe one spouse in a married relationship 
feels called to serve in the National Guard. And we are grateful for every man and woman who serves in our armed forces. If you are in the armed services, there is a cost to the family when it comes to deployment, time away on weekends, the times of the year <coughs> when you're away. But there are families who together make the decision that yes, our family is going to pay a cost for this, but we as a family, as a married couple, believe in this so much that we are willing to pay the family cost to say yes. Pastor Scott's doing an amazing job in getting our teams, our missions teams, back off the ground and sending teams to other parts of the country and other parts of the world. And what we already see with teams that have gone is that often a spouse will go while another spouse is, remains here, even to care for the children. And what that often says is that, yes, there is a cost to the family. It's gonna cost us money to go, and it's gonna cost us family time for one member of the family to go, for husband to go, or for wife to go. But what we're saying is that as a family, as a married couple, we believe so strongly in the importance of this work that we are willing to pay the family cost so that one person may go. I'm challenging myself and my fellow husbands and dads, if you're willing, to take a look at the tension in our marriage, in our families today, or the tension moments of our past, and ask ourselves very honestly, can the tension that we're experiencing now or the tension that we've experienced in the past, can it be traced back to decisions where we put me over the we of our marriage? Can the tension that we've experienced in our family, is it possible that it could be traced back to where I put the me of a husband, me as a father above the we of our family. Again, I'm not, this is not a moment for wives to elbow your husbands, but it is a moment of reflection because God, through Paul's words, encourages us to lead our families by putting our wives above ourselves through love. And here's what happens. We're thankful for an intergenerational church. Some of you, you have, your grandparents are in this church or your great parents, or you are the great grandparent, you are the great, you are the grandparent and, and your grandkids are in the church. Those of us that are much earlier on in our marriage, those of us who are early on in our role of husband and wife, I want you to know if you're a grandparent, great grandparent, that we, in many cases, we are looking to you as an example. Those of you who measure the time in your marriage in decades, a half century or more, those of us who are younger, we are looking at you wanting to know what the secret sauce is that you have figured out that has sustained your marriage for all this time. And what I imagine that we would find if we were to interview those of you who have been married for decades, a half century or more, is that in many cases we would find a husband who is leading, who over the years, decades, <clears throat> has a track record of building trust, of making decisions that have put his wife and his family needs above his own needs. 
Because if we build that trust over time, over years and decades, what happens is that when we reach a moment of disagreement and someone is going to make a decision, and if we choose to allow the husband to make the decision, there can be a great moment where a wife would say, you have a track record of making decisions that have strengthened our family. You have a track record of making decisions that have brought more stability to our family. You have a track record of making decisions where I clearly know you have preferred me over yourself. So even though I don't see it the way that you see it right now, because of the trust that you have built, I trust you to make this decision right now. I trust you to make this decision right now. And what we see in the legacy couples of this church is that there is a trust that has been built between husband and wife that cannot be fast forwarded, but has been built over years and years and decades and decades. And so I just want to pause for a moment and tell the legacy couples of this church how important you are, how valuable you are in modeling biblical leadership and biblical partnership in your families. Hus wives, submit yourselves to your husband as is fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Wives are accountable to God for how they allow their husbands to lead. Husbands are accountable to God for how they lead their wives with love. These are intended to be occurring simultaneously. And do you see the phrase that's in the middle of these two? as is fitting to the Lord, as is fitting to the Lord. Right in the middle of the instruction to wives and husbands, as is fitting to the Lord. Marriages are strengthened when Christ is at the center of the relationship. If both husband and wife seek God independently, they will grow stronger spiritually and closer to each other. So it's like we have a triangle, sorry with wife and husband at the bottom of the triangle in two corners and God at the top. And what happens if wife and husband both take responsibility to become more like Christ? As they become more like Christ, what happens to the space between the lines in the triangle? The space becomes smaller and smaller. So as husband and wife are each growing closer to Christ, they will become more like Christ and they will grow closer to each other. And what we see in our culture today, our community needs, starves, and is desperate for men who will step up, strive to be more like Jesus, and put the needs of their family above their own. Paul gives us this to help us, not to hurt us, to make marriages stronger, not weaker, to bring stability, not uncertainty, and to bring unity and not division. <clears throat> For those of you who are single, dating, or engaged, I want to challenge you with something. The most important decision you make in your life is to follow Jesus Christ. Second most important decision, many of us would say, is the decision of who you're going to be married to. Maybe you're sitting next to that person today, you're engaged or you're dating. I want you to wrestle with these questions. Are you with someone right now who you trust to lead your household? Are you with someone who you trust will put you and your family first in decision making? I just made somebody a little bit uncomfortable. We've unpacked statements one and two for husbands and wives, so quickly I wanna look at three and four, verses 20 and 21. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, 
Do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Relationship between children and parents, fathers and children. Again, we see that each side shows preference to the other side. Marriages work best when Christ is at the middle. Parenting relationships work best when Christ is at the middle. In our culture today, we've said throughout this, this message series on Colossians, part of what was happening in the city of Colossae 2,000 years ago is that there was a core community of Christians, of Christ followers, and outside voices were trying to come at them to pull them away from their faith in Christ. And they were saying, what you need is you need more spirituality. Christ isn't enough. You need this, that, or the other thing. The first, or the phrase <clears throat> that we've come back to all summer is that you don't need more than Christ, you need more of Christ. So other voices competing for attention. Does it sound similar to what's happening today? Parents, I think we know this. There are many channels that are competing for the minds and hearts of our children. We think of what's being taught in our schools. We think of what's happening on YouTube. I have yet to see on YouTube a little pop-up come up and say, are you a child? Do you have your parents' permission to watch the next video? They're not asking for your permission. There are video games, games on mobile devices and apps, streaming shows and movies that are undermining the Christian values that you have. Parents, we have to be aware and involved in what our kids are consuming in their minds that is making its way to their hearts. Now there's a season in their life when they're growing up that we're like the shield and we're deflecting what's coming at them or that's what we're, we need to be doing. But as they grow up, we can't be their shield forever. So after the, a season of, of shielding, we also have to equip our young people to make the decision for themselves so that they can, when they are confronted at a friend's house, when they go off to college, when they're confronted by what is not from God, that they have it, a strength in them that they can see what is for God and what is against God and they know the why behind your no. Children, obey your parents in everything. This may be a verse, mom and dad, that you want to put on a sign and hang it in their bedroom. <laughs> in fact, for your bedroom today, or for your benefit today, I found this sign. Look at that. In whimsical writing, in a whimsical font, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Maybe, mom and dad, you want to buy this and put this in your child's room in a place where it is the first thing they see when they wake up in the morning and the last thing they see before they go to sleep. Children prefer their parents by following their leadership over whatever else may be out there. And lastly, parents prefer their children by the way they treat their children. Parents with fathers highlighted, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Don't provoke your children, don't aggravate your children. The way that we treat our children matters to God. So my question today is when your kids do something that you don't like, when they go against your plan, when you have a disagreement with your spouse, what emotions do you respond with? We talked about this last week. Pastor Bill talked about this last week. Such a good message. If you didn't hear it, listen to the podcast or watch it on YouTube. Verse 8, Colossians 3 verse 8, so it's going back a little bit earlier in the chapter. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. 
When we don't get our way, even in our households, the human nature is to respond with anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk. But Paul says, put that away. Take it off. And I'm so thankful that he doesn't leave us like in response nakedness. He tells us to put this off, but then to put this on. Verses 12 and 13. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has to complain against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. So if we were to put these two responses, categories, into two separate columns, we see something like this. On one side, anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk. The other side, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, and forgiveness. If you, have, if you are privileged right now to have children in your home that you're raising at this time, when your children reach adulthood, what column of words do you want them to use to describe the atmosphere of your home when they look back on their childhood? Now, some of you are running this through the filter of your own childhood, and you would say that in your own childhood, what you experienced is not the column on the right. You experienced the column on the left. That the home of your childhood was filled with anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk. If that's you, I'm so sorry. That's not God's plan for your family. And it was not God's plan for your childhood. We cannot do anything about the past. What we can do is something about the future. When I think about raising our own four children, our three daughters and our son, again, with God's grace and God's help, it would be my desire that when they become adults and they look back at the time growing up in our household, that my children would use the words on the right to describe the atmosphere of our home. Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, which is strength under control, patience, bearing with one another, and forgiveness. And this phrase, bearing with one another, is so good because it says, other translations use phrases like give grace, put up with each other, make allowance for each other, understand each other. I think of it this way. Allow the other people in your family to not be perfect. <laughs> Allow the other people in your family to not be perfect because guess what? We're not perfect. Families are healthiest. Families are healthier. When each member can depend on the other members to pursue their own responsibility. Any one of us who has a family role that's in here today, we, we could look it around and say, well, you need to be doing, did you see what, did you hear what pastor said about your role today? You need to be doing more of that. Here's what's so good. We all have something to work on. None of us have arrived. It's not we either are or not. We're on the journey. And all of us have something that we're working on. And do you know what? Our family members, they know if we're working on it because you can't fake it with your family. And when one of the roles is missing or misused, the responsibilities is twisted to be something unbiblical, it is felt by others. Let me encourage you. And this is just as much for me 
as it is anyone else. When things don't go your way, when our children don't respond the way that we want them to respond, yes, the Bible talks about the value of discipline. When we're in a tension moment with our wives or husbands, may words like compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, forgiveness, allowing the other people in our house to not be perfect, may that be what fills our home. In our final moments today, I told you that at the end of the message, I, wanted, I want to roll out a tangible, intentional step that we are going to take as a church to reinforce this absolutely crucial value of church beginning at home, the value of the family. And I told you that this is gonna be uncomfortable for some of us, myself included. For four Sundays, we are going to pause our Sunday evening worship service. Not today, not today, but coming up in September. So just to give you a forecast calendar here, September 11th through the 14th, we're doing something we've never done before, at least that I, I know of. We're gonna do four revival nights with Randy Ruiz, my friend Randy Ruiz, who is a powerful, spirit-filled, driver to the altars preacher that will bring purpose and bring healing to your life and to your relationships. So beginning with a riverfront night in the park on Sunday night, September 11th, then three nights here in the church, we're gonna have four Sunday evening services where we are seeking a powerful move of the Holy Spirit. Then for four Sundays, we're going to pause the Sunday evening service, September 18th, 25th, October 2nd and 9th. And then we have some Sunday evening things planned for October 16th and the 23rd. So what I am challenging us as a church family to do is that for these four Sundays, that we would do some things to intentionally either affirm and continue spiritual disciplines in our homes, or we would use this as an opportunity to kickstart the value of church at home. You may have your own ideas, and there, there's no one way to do this, but I think of in our household, our older kids, they're, they're starting to begin to um, enjoy cooking. And a lot of what they make is actually edible. It's really good. So what if we, on Sunday evenings, were to prepare a, a meal together, eat the meal together, clean up together, and then gather in our living room and do a devotional? You could, at this time, buy a family devotional book or borrow one, or you could use our free resource, Right Now Media, which is our online, essentially Netflix library of video Bible studies, and you could do one of these for your family. What could we potentially begin to see in our family that would make a difference in our church, in our city, if husbands would take ownership of being pastors of their home in a greater measure? So I'm asking you, if you have kids in the household, to be intentional for these four Sundays about continuing or kickstarting church at home. If you're in this life season of grandparent or great-grandparent, maybe if your families are close, 
you would choose to invite them over to your home for four consecutive Sundays. Uh, if your kids, grandkids, adult children are away, you could use this time for four consecutive weeks to call them or FaceTime them. I do remember when there, you used to have to pay for long distance phone calls. And surprising as it may be, there was actually a time when we didn't have FaceTime. So if you wanted to talk to your family who was far away, you had to pay for a long distance phone call. I remember as a child, my mom had a weekly standing phone call with her parents. And every week, the phone would be passed around to each one of those in our household and my grandparents would speak words of encouragement into our lives. And it was such a habit in our family that I remember those calls to this day. So that may be something to put in practice during these four Sundays. And for these four weeks, we are going to move the worship, prayer, altar response service to Wednesday nights. So beginning September 14th, when we pause Sunday, we're gonna have instead intentional Wednesday prayer nights for those four weeks because we believe in what happens in those services. So church, I invite you right now to begin to pray for how you might live this out in whatever context you're in. <laughs> and also that you would begin to pray over the families of our church that we would see in greater measure church starting at home and a strengthening of the family relationships. We pray that this week's message has been practical, encouraging, and challenging. Let us know if you made a first-time commitment or recommitment to following Christ. Visit peopleschurch.com and click Connect to share your decision with us. There is great value in being a part of a Christ-centered, Bible-teaching faith community. If you are looking for a church home, Pastor Tom Murray invites you to People's Church in Salem. Sunday morning and evening worship services, group Bible studies, relevant engaging activities for kids and youth in safe, secure environments. Watch messages anytime or plan your visit at peopleschurch.com.